Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do. So probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. I love a good list, Hamish. 
You do like a list. Oh, well, you don't. Do you like a list, or just like me making the lists? I like you doing the list because it like it's like it's, you're telling me what to do. That's it. Yeah, you, it's, like, oh. you like it when I treat you like a school child. <laughs> no, it's more perverse. My oh, my reasons more perverse than that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to ask questions. <laughs> don't ask any no. questions. We'll leave it at that. Thanks. <laughs> we are very excited today, aren't we, Hamish? We are. We've had a big few weeks. We had our live show, which was amazing, and we interviewed Fatboy Slim. We couldn't quite believe it. We are officially exhausted, but never too tired to get together and tell you all about it. I can't really believe that those two things happened within eight days of each other. I can't really either, Hamish. It was huge. Basically, we just chug along with this podcast for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then suddenly we have the most exciting eight days ever, Yeah, and now we're back on it. But yeah, that, that's always our aim with this podcast, Fit, because we will do weird shit in order to help others do weird sober shit too. Yeah, that's basically, basically the, yeah. the uncatchy slogan of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, very uncatchy. <laughs> we do weird shit, so you do do weird shit too, too. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to release the Fat Boy Slim episode after this one. So make sure you tune in. We are so excited to bring you this incredible guest. What a score, Hamish. I did a little jig on my own when I heard we'd bag this superstar did you yeah i did and a bit we came out oh <laughs> it was actually i think we got quite lucky because yeah. you only i like, only got confirmed the morning of yeah. so i was already amazingly excited just to be going and then we got wind that we might be able to get backstage and you might say hello before or after the show but it wasn't until the morning of that we found out we were doing it which sort of helped with any kind of nerves i would have gone overboard with planning mm. i'd have read everything there is to read and then it'd been a really dull but well-informed interview yeah so i'm glad that we had no prep time we had yeah. like the car journey together yes, to that's basically for it. it and that was that was enough for me it was quite scary because I actually read the email. I couldn't get hold of Hamish till five o'clock in the morning. And I read the email just as I was about to go to sleep that we were going to get mm. an interview with him. And of course, I just laid in bed with my eyes open for about five hours, just freaking out, basically, wondering what it was going to be like. It was so, so far from what I expected. When you said, Ham, we've got an interview on the phone, I was like... Oh, we're doing a podcast. Like, who's who's interviewing us is what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, maybe a job offer for us. That'd be cool. That'd be nice. Yeah, I had no idea. But we do want to sort of talk about that this week. This week, we're going to talk purely about sober dancing, I suppose. How to prepare yourself for the dance floor when sober. And then next week, I want to think of him as like the godfather yes. of sober raving. Yep. So it feels right that we should speak to him then. Definitely. And that is definitely one episode because we could blab on about it all day, couldn't we, Hamish? Absolutely. It was so much fun. And of course, now we're experts in sober, rave, sober raving because we've done it. We've done it once. So yeah. basically experts. That's how experts work. Yep. <laughs> I know that for years I used alcohol as a tool to rid me of my inhibitions and release my true dancing queen. I thought it'd be impossible to break out some moves without being trolleyed. I think we all thought that at some point, although we probably took it slightly too far, Vic. I mean, probably. we've got the injuries and the yeah. regrettable dance floor romances to show for it. Regrettable dance floor romances. Yeah. I was going to write four out of tens, but I thought that's quite offensive. <laughs> that is very it's, offensive. So I thought, no, don't be offensive. Hey, just say regrettable dance floor romances and let people imagine. Yeah. Is that your beer goggled love? Yeah, beer goggled love is a nice way of saying it. Yeah. Also, four out of ten is generous. <laughs> four out of ten, that is rude. They probably had lovely personalities, oh, Hamish. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the age anymore where we rate people out of ten. Oh, that was God. a very dangerous age to be at. And I was oh. in a, like a mixed school, you know, so that the new girl would walk in and then people would just give her a score. It was terrible. That is awful. Isn't that awful? Do you know what's even worse, Hamish? I overheard someone rating no, me once. No, yeah, no. I was a six. Oh, yeah. Like a six. 
I thought you were going to be offended no, by that. We, we played a game. This is awful. There was a game that we played at school. This is actually really a terrible thing, which was called Tell Her. Yeah. So if you said something and you didn't, I can't know what the safety word you had to say. Say I was like, Vic is a six out of ten. Okay? Yeah. And I didn't say the safety word after that. And somebody got in and said, tell her before I said the safety oh. word. I'd have to come up to you and tell you. So you go up to people oh, and offensive. just say, oh, it's awful. Yeah. Don't do that. If yeah, you're listening. Don't, don't, don't play do... that game. It's bad for everyone. Again, we do weird shit so you don't have to. Yeah. yeah. And it was 20 years ago. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, give me a break, home. <laughs> so not to mention the public nudity and weekly arguments with bouncers who took offence to our Beyonce-esque dance moves. But really, as a newly sober person, this task can feel super daunting. So frightening, in fact, that it can stop you from going out. No I mean, doubt. that's how severe it is, Hamish. Some people don't go out because they have a fear of dancing without boozing. I think unless you are a trained professional dancer, you've probably convinced yourself at some point that your best moves come out after a few drinks. Yep, and here lies the issue. How do you rediscover your best moves and dance like nobody's watching when you kick the booze? We hope that by the end of today's episode, you feel confident enough to step back onto the dance floor and dance like your five-year-old self in front of your bedroom mirror. Oh, yes. I always busted out the best moves then, Hamish. Is it bedroom mirror or... I, I go for it in the bathroom. Bathroom mirror, yeah, up on a stool. <laughs> or my sh I can see a mirror from my shower now, so I dance quite a lot in the shower. All week, actually, in preparation for the gig. Oh, yeah, okay. I was dancing in the shower. The shower's quite a nice place to Did dance. Did it not restrict your moves? Well, I, I, well, yeah, I kept it I kept it enclosed. I kept okay. it safe, elbows <laughs> close to the tummy, you know? Oh, that explains your dance moves the other night, then. <laughs> I don't take up room. No, That's how I would describe don't, my actually, dance no. <laughs> Yeah. So what were your favourite moves from our, from our gigs? You've been sober for five years, over yep. five years, and you said that was your first sober rave? It was the first rave I've been to, yeah. I think Lucy was the same after two years. I was the same after just less than one year. Mm. What were your what were the favourite moves that you did or witnessed on the night? I think generally I just like to sort of stomp on the spot. I'm a mm. stompy stomper. Mm -hmm. So I just like to stomp on the spot and feel the music. But what I did really like was that the people at the gig were all kind of middle-aged. Yeah. So I actually like seeing some old 90s moves. There was those two guys that we saw who yes. were like jumping around these kind of, they were Russian looking guys, weren't they? <laughs> they were massive and they were just sort of flicking out some shapes, weren't they? They were amazing. They looked like bodybuilders. They did. And they were like, they were so dense. Like, yeah, they, they were, were just really <laughs> enormous units of men. And yeah. then like, they looked quite frightening. And their dance moves were off the charts camp. Like it was yeah. my, my favourite kind of dance moves to witness. But yeah. it just didn't suit. Like, it didn't match how they looked, which no. I really enjoyed. But they had bod big, huge bodies like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But they had legs like Michael Flatley, didn't they? <laughs> it's like their little legs were flicking around everywhere. Is that your dream man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, top Michael Flatley, bottom arms. <laughs> the best thing for me was just seeing everybody smiling and having fun. The dance moves were as infectious as everyone smiles. I mean, I found myself copying a few things from those guys. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of realised that that was my early dance move, was just be look around the dance floor until you see someone you think is doing something okay. Yeah. And they just copy that yeah. until that gets boring. Then look for, I had no original dance moves. I'm just copying close by dancers. Well, I was going to ask you what your favourite dance was, but then I realised I know what it is, Hamish, what? because you were doing it all night, mm. which is pointing. Sort okay. of a pointy, a flicky point. Yep. So I kept sort of going off in the direction you were pointing, thinking you were telling me to go somewhere. So I just ended up kind of walking in different directions. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I would describe myself as a sort of jogger on the spot. Yes, okay. Um, 
I smile a lot. We all felt like we were gurning because we were just smiling so much. Yeah. I think we probably looked quite creepy. Just just <laughs> really big smiles for the whole gig whilst everyone else looked quite cool. I'm still smiling now, quite honestly. Yeah. My face is still hurting from having so much fun. My step count was 18,000 that yeah, day. Mine was, was, yeah, was 21,000, yeah. <laughs> oh, we've still got it though, Hamish, haven't we? we do. Dance floor heroes, I reckon. We dance non-stop for three hours with no awkward in sight. No, and we we say here we didn't want to see any videos of us but we took we took a lot of videos we did take a lot of videos there's a lot of videos of us dancing I'll tell you what I want to say quickly about that crowd and I didn't want to say it's to Fatboy Slim but then we saw him after the show and I couldn't couldn't help it and today's fitting because we're recording this on Craig David's birthday but but (laughs) it was because of who Fatboy Slim is and that like how long he's been doing it if we looked around the crowd there there were people in their 40s who loved him from the start and then they were like there wasn't crazy young crowd, but Not probably crazy people young. in their early 20s who yeah. were really new to him. Yeah. So you've got the whole spectrum of fans and the whole spectrum of dance moves that you get. And I thought that was wicked. And you get that with every Craig David gig I've been to is the same. It's the same, yeah. is it? Yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. What? Craig David has fans, young fans. Shut up. Oh my God, what is the world coming to, Hamish? It is Not a scary birthday. place. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Happy birthday, Craig. Oh, dear. Well, where to begin, Hamish? Well, I mean, I think we could probably start with our own experiences of dancing the night away during our drinking years. Oh, God. Yeah. So for those that have not heard you describe your podium-shaped signature dance move before, the floor is yours, pun intended. Uh, yeah. So I think we would better start with that. So in my drinking days, well, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I think we can just go over it again. I used to do something called the human podium. Yes. Yeah. So we used to go to this dodgy nightclub. I can't remember. Pav Tav, I think it was, in Brighton. And I used to, at some point in the night, after one too many bevies, get on all fours and invite everybody in the whole nightclub mm. to take turns dancing on my back. So in the morning, not only would I wake up with a severe back issue, but I'd also wake up with footprints on my tank top. Oh, I was literally... Di- okay, so I imagined that you were the base of a human pyramid. No, no, no. Oh, you were literally no, no, just, just... You were just at a stage. I was like a table. <laughs> it was just me on all fours, and then people would take turn on standing on my back. Wow. And then dancing, and then getting off, and the next person would go on. Oh, there, was a, there was a queue. <laughs> there was a queue, yeah. <laughs> wow, okay, Why? I just thought it was hilarious. I just thought it was funny. That was dancing for me was just about it being funny and having a laugh with my mates. Mm. And my mates all thought that was hilarious. And then all of a sudden they'd go, right, Vic, human podium. And I was just totally up for it. I agree with you that dancing is about laughing a lot, but I would say that facing each other and looking at each (laughs) other is the fun of it. You're just laughing to the floor there. You just on your all fours looking at the floor. Laughing. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was very funny. Mm, Interesting. Um, I was trying to have a think about my other dance moves um, and I wanted to describe my different stages of dancing to you. Okay, it's been through uh, an evolution, a dance evolution. Lovely. It's going to be the name of my dance TV show. Oh, it's going to be your dance album. <laughs> dance Evolution 94. Yeah, so I started off as a sidestepper at school yep. discos, Hamish. I used to hold on to a boy's shoulders, <laughs> stand about a metre apart. A cheesy ballad would come on, yeah. uh, like one of the old, I can't remember which Enrique songs. Enrique Iglesias. Hero. Yeah, Enrique was, yeah, yeah. Hero. Like I was a bit before that. Then I'm trying. Mm. It was it was an Eurythmics one that we used to dance to. Anyway, so that was all a bit awkward. So that was and, and, and that one. The key is just don't make eye contact with. Don't the make you're eye contact with. And, until they go in for the slimy kiss. Ooh, okay. Yeah, and then you sort of have to bend your elbows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
And then I became one of those idiots that thinks they can break dance as soon as Grandmaster Flash is played. Yeah, yeah. So I, any sort of beatboxing or hip hop tune would come on and I would automatically think that I was from the streets of New York with a bit of cardboard on the ground with a, you know, a stereo next to me. Yeah. And I would start doing some really, really bad breakdancing moves. Yeah. I don't know anyone that hasn't been through that stage. That's okay, good. good. Okay. Well, that makes me feel yeah. a bit better then. Then I became a piss taker dancer. Mm-hmm. So not piss taking other people, but just like doing rowing moves, yeah. feeding the chickens. Remember that yeah. one? Yeah. Looks yeah. like you're throwing out some grain. <laughs> Digging was always a good one. Yeah. And of course, the lasso, if you wanted to pull mm-hmm. someone towards mm-hmm. you. They were kind of my signature moves. I liked the connection with my mates of doing these stupid moves and these daggy moves. But then I became a raver and then my marching on the spot began yeah. and that was like my that was the evolution mm-hmm. so I think I went through everything and then I just decided that dancing on the spot next to a speaker frothing at the mouth was good enough I'll tell you what I learned like I wish I'd forgotten until we had the night out the other night so yes raving equals dancing on the spot and I'll tell you why I think that is mm. because when you're raving and you're out for like six to ten hours You've got to conserve the energy. Yeah. You can't be doing your fake break dancing. No. Be a table bass. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> where, what can I do for six to 10 hours on one spot, conserving it, but still happy? And I think dancing on the spot is the answer. Yeah, totally. Because you've got it. You can't do that all night for like, because you're doing it for 12 hours, as you say, like something full on at a rave. So everybody was just dancing on the spot, weren't yeah. they? I had a friend who got, or he, he swears he's called it techno elbow. So if you're basically pointing, I guess. Oh, that's exactly that, what you were doing. Yeah, that is yeah, your move. Yeah. He got techno elbow. It's like tennis elbow, but it's very much like tennis elbow for dancers. Yeah. Yeah. We did used to do the sports one. So you do different sports when you were dancing. So you do like a javelin move, okay. then the tennis move, or you maybe do like a ping pong move. Mm-hmm. It's just the funny sort of piss take dancing that was always good yeah one thing that we definitely had in common i think when dancing drunk was confidence so i've always described my dancing as being similar to my karaoke which is all enthusiasm and no talent at all (laughs) yeah totally which i think is enough to get away with it in karaoke and maybe dancing too Uh, i don't do anything too complicated nothing too intricate i just keep it to the basics Um, I think I'm sort of, I was probably stuck in your piss take stage Mm. most of my dancing life. Mm. That has always been more fun than actually trying to dance. Just being very accepting of the fact, okay, you're not very good at dancing, but you love doing it. Can you do it whilst making people laugh? Yeah, because I always found serious dancers. I always thought it was a bit odd, but I wouldn't think it was odd now. But back in the day, I thought, oh, God, they're all a bit serious, aren't they? And, Mm. you know, making themselves trying to look cool. Whereas I thought the piss-taking dancing was much more fun. But then I wanted to think of dance moves, and you've mentioned breakdancing. Dance moves which you only tried after a few drinks when your confidence was sky high, okay? Mm -hmm. The first one I thought of was the worm. Of course, Hamish. Okay. Everyone yeah. at some point when drunk on a dance floor has tried it. I don't know I don't know anyone that's actually tried it and be like, oh, I actually can do it. Yeah, I've never ever gone, oh my God, he's amazing at the worm. That's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. All I see is people wriggling around on the floor like a maggot. Yeah, and it's yeah. usually chin injuries. That's yeah. the most common. I had a chin fact. injury. I had a cut on my chin most Saturday mornings from about 1995 to 2005. <laughs> it's amazing. Honestly, everyone's done that. I don't. I want to know if you can do the worm. Where did you learn? Because it wasn't on a dance floor. You must have done it in your bedroom. Nobody. Or people learns. that can actually do the um, the moonwalk. Yeah. I mean, you don't try it, then you can just do it. You've practiced by yourself. Maybe you've got no siblings, got a lot of time on your hands. But then when you do it on a dance floor, it's pretty cool. Well, that's the thing, Hamish. 
would you ever do the worm sober? No one would ever attempt it. It's so dangerous. It's just like throwing yourself on the floor mm. really hard with your face first. So actually, <laughs> you would never practice it until you were drunk. Well, have I told you that I was the mascot for Surrey Cricket Club? Oh, yes. Okay, so I was this big lion. I did it for four seasons. And they basically said, look, have you got a signature dance move? And I was like, oh, not really. And they said, Vinny the Viking, who is the Yorkshire mascot... Vinny the Viking can do the worm. Mm. I was like, shit, that's... In the mascot outfit. In the mascot. Well, his, to be fair, he always won the mascot races because there's not a lot in a Viking outfit. Okay. It's pretty much just like wearing a onesie with a helmet. Okay. Whereas I was a lion. I had huge shoes and yeah. a huge head. You got a massive helmet as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I said, well, I can do the robot, which is pretty much the only dance move that I could do as the lion. Okay. And I, I overkilled it. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah that's the, really the only thing I could do. Oh, the robot's a good move, though, Hamish, I must say. If you do it well, if you're popping, popping and locking yeah. at the right places... I think people were pretty forgiving, given I was dressed as a lion. Okay, There was enough. no popping and locking. But the second dance move, which comes up a lot when you're drunk and overconfident, is the crowd surf. Oh, uh, are God, you familiar? Yeah. Did you try this in your, in your drinking days? Hamish, I am not built for the crowd surf. I never have been. It was always skinny girls in tight denim shorts leaping onto blokes. I would have crushed people and been involved in a court case. Murder on the dance floor. <laughs> Very good. See, I think the crowd surf, I did try it a few times. It never went the, well, the way you wanted to. I actually found more often than not, it wasn't me that was getting hurt. It was you'd accidentally knee someone or exactly, elbow someone, yeah. usually a girl. Oh, and you're, oh no, I'm the guy that kneed or elbowed a girl in the crowd. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> you're, you're sort of hated for the rest of the night. I think that dance move does get confused with the dirty dancing one. You know, when, it, when someone goes, oh, I'll run towards you and lift me above your head. Yeah. that one? Yeah. yeah. That, well, the that, dirty dancing one's a good one. Well, that is another one that never ends well. Because oh, you go over the top. Well, exactly. Yeah. So I think the guy often looks weak because, oh, I, I couldn't keep her up there. <laughs> yeah. And the girl often ends up face planting. Yeah, it's so really everyone dangerous. everyone is a loser in that one. Yeah. God, that is some of those dance moves. Actually, we must talk about the danger of dance moves. Because sometimes <laughs> I see people get really injured. Like that one, for example, or spinning someone round and letting go and they yeah. fly across yeah. the dance floor. They were some of the worst injuries in my drinking days was people getting their head whacked against a pillar in a yeah. nightclub or I something. Remember being, I can remember only wanting to be in the mosh pit. Like that was the only place I was okay to be injured. Yeah. If there's a mosh <laughs> yeah. pit and you're like 17, like, this is where we are for the night. Oh, the mosh pit. Yeah. God, I'm sure there's been a few massive, especially in the skinhead days. Yeah. Like the mosh pit was a nasty place to be, I should mm. imagine. Yeah, the robot I also did, but I looked like I was kind of a glitching robot rather than a kind of cool one. I liked the old routines. I've always loved like doing the Nutbush or the Hustle on a 70s night or the YMCA, even the Macarena Hamish. There's something very yeah. uplifting about communal dancing, even like the other night. Even though we weren't doing the same dance, it felt like we were all in it together. Mm -hmm. It really tickles my parsnip that hamish yeah, nice. yeah. <laughs> nice. okay good <laughs> you know i always like to get a root vegetable into the podcast somewhere <laughs> what i want to ask you here is about sexy dancing yes because i feel as if as a woman there was sort of a pressure that you were expected to be able to dance in a sexy way mm. men it was like you could get away with being the idiot yeah but girls like you have to be able to dance sexy is that something that you felt? Have I imagined that? Is that something that, like you would practice and then be like, oh, they're good at sexy dancing, they're good at sexy dancing? Mm. Is that something you needed alcohol to feel sexy on the dance floor? Yeah, or no. am, I, am I way off the mark here? Well, for me, thing? you're talking to someone here who would never, ever have done anything to appease a man. 
I would say. <laughs> so I would never go, oh, look at me. Look, look how sexy I am. Like that just wasn't on the cards for me. I was just having a laugh with my mates. I didn't give a shit about what blokes thought for me in my ravey, hazy days. Mm-hmm. It was just get on the dance floor, have a laugh and, you know, be with my friends. So I never, ever did that. And it was the same as fancy dress. It's a similar thing, isn't it? Mm, yeah. The women always used to dress up as nurses or cats or something weird and sexy. And I would be sat in a corner dressed as a farmer or Barry Gibb or a sausage. <laughs> yeah. It was nothing else, was there? There was just me and them. It was a completely different always. crowd. Yeah. Halloween, there's such, there's such a division between the two types yeah. of people, isn't there? I think the problem was, Hamish, that I wasn't a very good dancer. So I could never make it look sexy, even if I wanted to. In fact, one of the most embarrassing things I ever did, which made me realise how unsexy I was on a dance floor, was I went to a Zumba class. And it was in one of those ballet rooms where they have mirrors all around. And I remember looking up and I looked exactly like David Brent in the office doing his dance. (laughs) Even my face, my neck was all down and I was kind of doing a funny arm. I was like, oh my God, I am Ricky Gervais. It was bad. In me and Liz's early days of our relationship, she used to go she was a member of Fitness First oh, yeah. Bondi, and she would do on Saturday morning she'd do I, th- I think it was a Zumba it was a dance class Yeah. and basically it was to me it always felt people always have a go at Americans of being overly enthusiastic I think overly enthusiastic is a fantastic place to be. Yeah, in dance especially, yeah. So I would go to this class really early in our relationship and it was basically, it was almost all women and the enthusiasm, I think it was because it was Saturday morning and people were moving, was through the roof. So you're meant to be sort of dancing in a circle, but inevitably there are people that went every Saturday like break off in their own little circle and there's like five, six, seven, eight, high fives to everyone. It was so intense. I... Loved it. Oh, Actually, that good. was probably my first sober dancing was Saturday okay, morning yeah. in gyms. Oh, I would like to go to that. That sounds. Oh, I like that I don't sort know of thing. If the, I think the enthusiasm might might. Oh, it might annoy you. me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. The pessimists here. <laughs> the positives. The positivity really gets you. Yeah, I'll be like, oh my god, these Peace idiots. Off. Yeah, for fuck's sake, what are you so happy for? <laughs> dancing for me has never been about really how I looked. It was just about having fun and connecting. It was kind of freedom, escapism, release from the mundane. I think, kind of like getting out of the boring. Nothing better than a beat creeping back in and a peaky crescendo, Hamish. Mm-hmm. I used to love that in my rave days, even sober and. Last night was proof, actually, that I can still feel those feels, yeah. those real dancing highs. It was amazing. See, for me, although most of these memories involved alcohol, they are some of my fondest memories. I think in that lied my big fear in going sober. I was, I, I was afraid that the dance floor, which has been my happy place and so many wonderful memories, was going to turn into a place where I felt self-conscious mm. or felt... Uh, afraid or felt just like I, I wanted to avoid it because it felt too awkward so and I think a lot of people probably do feel that that was honestly one of my first thoughts I'm going sober oh shit the dance floor and yeah. I guess maybe that is unusual because I, I didn't have a problem with drinking people are probably thinking of bigger issues when they go sober but for me that was one of my first thoughts yeah I think that's very common how soon after giving up the grog did you think about the fact that you had to dance sober? Was it as immediate as me or, or did it come later? I think because we're different types of drinkers, yeah. Hamish, I think it was much later on. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a big concern for me. My concern was giving up alcohol. 
what was going to come after in a few months or a few years, it was sort of irrelevant dancing to me because I think I felt, you know, I was scared and I was changing so much. There was so much going on that I think returning to the dance floor was really at the bottom of my list. I was really just trying to be a better mum and I was staying home more and my funky footwork had to take a rest. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you just got to concentrate on really what's important in sobriety. And for me, dancing wasn't at the beginning. But of course, there came a stage later on when I knew I wanted to start dancing again and living a normal life. And that did come. I was very self-conscious without that social lubricant. And I was aware of my every movement. And it felt really, really awkward at first. So I didn't do it that much. But if I did, it was on my deck at home with a good Ministry of Sound classics album. So really, I practised. I practised for a couple of years even, Hamish, before I went out dancing. And actually, I loved not doing it for a while. Mm. It felt good because usually dancing for me was so chaotic and it was all about drinking and it was all about kind of this whirlwind of a night and me not remember anything. And So actually, it was nice to take a step back from that for a while and feel a bit more peaceful and not feel like I had to go out. And I think a lot of people feel like that in early sobriety. So I think we will say that in this podcast too. Like, don't force yourself back onto a dance floor just because you feel like you have to do it sometimes it's nice to take a break from something and go well that was great but now I'm ready to go back mm-hmm. in I'm ready to hit the floor for sure some of my best dances have been in the kitchen yeah. at home with Liz in front of Sunny yeah busting a groove in front of the kids is always funny yeah. and, and actually throughout that time that was my dancing fix the one we always play is LMFAO every day I'm shuffling and I always bring out that you know shuffle move at Mm -hmm. that one and that's that's private dancing with my family that has led me almost to the fat boy slim gig so I've always been dancing but it's always been at home I haven't been out that much shall we take a second here to talk about jumping in the deep end yeah because both you say doing a lot of dancing on the deck I've done a lot of dancing in the kitchen and even though it's been you know for you five years and for me just under one going back to a rave at fat boy slim We started dancing side of stage and we were the only people side of stage. So if you think about being afraid of dancing, you know, in public, everyone at the gig was looking at him and we were probably in the peripheral of their vision. So I felt quite self-conscious at the start. I was like, holy shit, we are dancing on the stage with Fat Boy Slim. So it took me a while to sort of get into it, actually, the other night. It took me... I don't know how long, but by the end I was completely free, but yeah. still felt some awkwardness. Really? And yeah, self-consciousness. I didn't start. notice that in you actually. Mm. Funnily enough, I was the absolute opposite. Oh, you got more As awkwardness soon... than went on. No, no, no. <laughs> I just didn't have the awkwardness yeah. at all, which was surprising. It was like a bolt of lightning hit me as soon as we were walking down that path yeah. next to the arena, and I heard some classic old house tunes coming mm. on. It was like Josh Wink and Disco Revenge. I could hear it in the background, and I was like, "Oh my fucking god, this is going to be." amazing and I felt a part of me return I was like this is who I am this is who I've been all my life and I numbed it out with alcohol for years and now I'm going to get the opportunity to go with this and really experience it and remember it and it's going to be amazing and it was yeah I felt the same way but not because of alcohol I felt like some pent up I don't know what they were I don't want to say it was frustration but like some pent up emotions probably from parenting that needed to be released and were able to be released that night. So I sort of felt in equal parts upset that Liz wasn't there and she couldn't share it with me, but also grateful that she was looking after Sunday so that I could. 
you would like to support the Sober Awkward podcast, we're excited to announce that we've joined Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform which allows you to give back for the content you love. By buying Sober Awkward a cuppa once a month, we can keep the giggles coming and continue sharing our sobriety message. By joining Patreon, you get access to Sober Awkward merch, extra content, special promos and loads more. Just find the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com and search for Sober Awkward. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. It's a release. Yeah. Dancing is a release. There must be endorphins released. There must be something going in the, on in the body. I mean, it's a tribal thing, isn't it? Yeah. It is probably the most oldest form of release without drugs and alcohol and everything else. Mm-hmm. There is something within dancing that makes you feel good and, yeah. and, and makes you feel happy, especially in a crowd, especially That's communally. It. With pyrotechnics, with lasers, with lighting, all of yeah. that, which you can't get on your deck or in your kitchen, yeah. adds added to it. Oh, God, it was good. Yeah, and yeah. also that weird smell. We both noticed that. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is such. And we were outside. This is like an outside gig. We yeah. were like, it's not. It's not necessarily a bad smell, but yeah. it's a very distinctive rave floor smell. I think it's like the smoke machine or something smell, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah mixed with cigarettes feet or and fart. yeah, and farts. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, and I guess feet, that yeah. is an unpleasant smell. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Some people hate dancing, though. Most people that I know don't, but some people hate it. I think that must be to do with a bit of a lack of confidence, concern about looking silly and people thinking you're a weirdo, which is, of course, why lots of people drink before a boogie. The two really are joined at the hip. Did I ever tell you about one of our first days at drama school where no one knew anyone and he said, right, warm up exercise, everyone dance around the room. He blared the music and was running around dancing one girl was a dancer. She looked great. The rest of us, a bit awkward. And I can remember feeling self-conscious doing this, feeling self-conscious first day of school. And eventually I had this epiphany, which was everyone is feeling the way I'm feeling. So no one is looking at each other, judging you. In, like that realisation was like, ah, oh, you can just let go. Just got to let go, yeah. yeah. I've never forgotten it. I was like, oh, actually, everyone's so concerned with their own shit. Yes. That you can release more than you think you can. And actually, I felt that when I did the sober dancing thing, you know, when you go and do the silent disco, something about having the headphones on and the loud house music in your ears, you let go. You suddenly feel unself-conscious anymore. And it's a wonderful feeling. Not that unself-conscious is a word, but let's glaze over that. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be the first time we've made up words. No, it wouldn't be, would it? So yeah, for those that are lacking in confidence or feel self-conscious, we use our old buddy booze again to fill that gap between fear and confidence. So true. But what if you could learn to dance and love it without alcohol? Is it really possible, Hamish, for ex-boozers like us? I think so, don't you? I hope so, yeah. I mean, the good news is that there have never been more ways to re-enter the dance scene as a sober person. I mean, researching for this episode, even the fact that there is such a thing as a sober rave, a sober festival, or like these pre-work dance parties, is a revelation. I don't, I'm not aware if they even existed 20 years ago. No, probably not, no. So if you feel ready to head back into the so-called normal club or festival world, these are a great way to ease yourself back into the scene. In fact, the very nature of dancing has been reimagined as something that is great for your physical and mental health, not just for pulling a bird in a nightclub. Did you ever go to one of those dances before work? No, never. So yeah, they had... had I never had a job. (laughs) (laughs) 
partly true. It was, I think it was at Old Street Station or one of the big sort of East London tube stations. Okay. And I went there, it must have been at seven in the morning and there were hundreds of people Really? But raving, yeah, raving in like suits and ties. And then they all got in the underground and went oh to work. God, that it is was amazing. Such a good way to start work. The only thing that I did like that was when I was teaching in Thailand and in Thai schools, before school starts, you all go out onto the playground and you dance. Yes. It's like that prison in the it's Philippines. In prison, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they did the thriller dance, yeah. didn't they? They learned the thriller dance, yeah. So it's those endorphins again, like getting up in the morning and letting rip is a really good way to start mm. the day. I often see people on the beach, people take the piss out of them. There's often a weird, a couple of weird guys on the beach on their own with headphones on like stomping yeah. on the sand and people go oh look at that bloke what's he doing but I'm like yes that is yeah. I want to do that I've got a lot of respect for that I have too yeah. yeah and then obviously we've both done that no lights no lycra yes which we now sort of push at people who are early in sobriety and nervous about things like dancing it's like a really nice a nice way to ease yourself back into the dance. So if, yeah. if you missed that podcast episode it's basically when you go to a, a completely dark room and there's no booze and there's no drugs and there's all ages allowed and you dance for an hour yeah and it was extraordinary wasn't it there's a few things like that i know there's a guy called jasper valance who runs some sober raves where you do fancy dress in sydney Mm -hmm. and my friend emma from hope rising coaching she does an ecstatic dancing in melbourne so Mm. check those out as well there is a lot going on 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 this scene for sober dancers so so get in there it's important to remember that it's the environment that makes dancing fun it's that loud music it's the friends you're there with the lighting all of it and you still can get to that place without alcohol yeah, I actually felt a bit high. I know that's not a great thing, but I felt naturally yeah. high at that gig. And that was something I didn't know was possible to achieve. Me too. Yeah. yeah. And that is that is a revelation for me. The other thing that I had during that night, so firstly, definitely felt high, but also was aware of time much more. Mm. During like the drinking days, a night would just go. It'd be eight hours and suddenly you've gone. Here I remember checking my watch after an hour. I was like, oh my God, I feel like I've been here for ages. <laughs> yeah, I also yeah. didn't go to the loo. And you usually go to the loo like six or seven times during of the course, set. Yeah. You lose your mates, you lose your good spot at the front. So I was so aware of, oh God, like time is going slowly. I'm really enjoying every second of it. I think we must quickly just tell the listeners about the best point in the night was when Lucy <laughs> and I, because Lucy came, of course, like Lucy came with us and... We suddenly, <laughs> Hamish was dancing and there were some stairs and we said to the security guard, because we were backstage on our own, we were literally the only <laughs> VIPs there. So we had the whole of the backstage area to ourselves and Lucy and I suddenly saw some stairs, walked up and we were on the rooftop overlooking the whole thousands of crowd, just us. And we were trying to text Hamish going, there's a rooftop. No, you, call, you called me. I like, called this, is, this is ambitious. Yeah. In the middle of the dance, I pick up and hear nothing at all. Hang up. I was like, I'll try and text her. And I just get this text saying, there's a roof. I look up and honestly, like the joy on your faces. It was like, it was like seeing a child that had found a stash of hidden sweets. Like you guys were like, oh my God, there's a roof. Get up here. It was literally a rooftop with just us on it, with Fat Boy Slim next to us and thousands of people. We felt superior, I can yeah, tell you, yeah. for that moment in time. Well, then they said, hey, help yourself to drinks. Yeah, we were just wandering around. Back energy drinks, just munching energy drinks. We were. 
terrible a, treat that as well. Yeah. Wasn't it? <laughs> no, I liked it. Did you? Yeah, I thought it was quite was nice. It pear? What flavour? Pear was it? or something? Oh, yeah, it was lovely. Me. <laughs> yeah. So we both felt quite comfortable dancing by the end of it, didn't we, Hamish? Yeah. yeah. And now I feel like I want to do that sort of thing more. I absolutely loved it. As I said, I think I was in some sort of trance-like state most of the night. It does have a remnants of meditation about it I think I felt like I was taken to another place where I felt happy and I can imagine that's what meditation feels like sometimes Mm -hmm. it's taken some practice and even that night to sort of just go tell myself this is okay be your authentic self don't be Mm self-aware and I think I'm going to try and make this part of my life now if there's any big gig like that again I'm going we're going we're taking Liz and John this time and we're going to go and dance the night away because actually I found it more fun than I did back in the day because I was present I could see everybody I remembered it I just felt amazing it would feel my cup and it stepped out of the comfort zone which is everything that I want I won't be doing a solo waltz for you anytime soon Hamish but being part of a crowd last night was as euphoric as anything I've ever experienced it gave me the chills that I used to have back in my rave days I won't be asking you to do a solo waltz for me I think that was our plan this afternoon (laughs) I tell you the other other nice thing about it with regards to going sober is Back in the drinking days, you'd go to the party, you'd enjoy the party, and then you would, you know, I always enjoy the moment after the party, or a moment after a gig, or a great show, or a great sporting fixture, where you just unpack it together. Mm. And we unpacked it for, like, as long as we were there, we were unpacking it on the yeah. walk back to the car, on the long drive home. And I loved that part of the night, where you yeah. like share, everyone's feeling the same thing, you remember every song, and you're like, we're so present during the whole thing. And now, you know, now the three of us could be up in three months and talk about that night yeah. and still get the joy from the memory yeah lucy was saying yesterday she called me and said i keep trying to do work but then i just want to go and look at the photos yeah so she kept sort of stopping her work day in order to go and have a little a little memory break yeah, yeah. you described it as one of the best nights of your life i wanted to say that was like i've got married and got child but i understand it was really one of the best nights of my life yes. i think yeah i really was, do think it, it was yeah Sober, everybody. Sober, best night of my life. That's saying something, isn't it? I can't it? believe you said that Alan texted us because Alan was going to come and he texted us, he goes, oh, how was it? Because he couldn't make it. I thought, I imagine we should just play this down. No. Vic, 20 <laughs> seconds later, response, best night of my life. Yeah. You fucking idiot, you should yeah. have been there. Yeah. I did feel like that. I was like, for fuck's sake, Alan. <laughs> oh, dear. Feelings of self-consciousness are unavoidable in sobriety, of course. In almost every social situation, and dancing is one of the more extreme. Again, my bright light story comes into play here. Mm. Feeling like you are very self-aware, everyone can see you, everything feels raw and real, and that is what it's like in early sobriety. But of course, practice makes perfect. Well, that bright light and that self-consciousness can drive a lot of people to relapsing. The idea of being their old self seems like an impossible goal without any kind of Dutch courage. They begin to feel boring and might choose to no longer go out at all. And that is a very dangerous spiral to fall down. And actually, Hamish, that was something Lucy was talking about, wasn't it? She Mm. was staying in too much in her early sobriety. And that used to make me really worry about her. But she started going out more. She said to me last night, I'm beginning to live my life again. And she's feeling much more happy in her sobriety and much more confident. We did make that joke, didn't we? We said 
when you used to go out loads, you wouldn't talk about it much. And then you go sober. We had this one night out. And Lucy and you like told everyone at the school pickup, told your kids, teachers, told all of your friends back home. Maybe just you go out less often, but everyone knows about it. Yeah, that so is I've, going out sober in a nutshell. I've been out once in five years. I'll go out again in five years. Another five years <laughs> time. Posting photos of that night for <laughs> yeah. two years. Yeah. <laughs> it was the highlight. As with any advice we offer on this podcast, it's always important to remember not to put yourself in a position like a nightclub until you feel ready. Definitely give a sober dance a go before going back to any of your old haunts or places that might trigger you. Yeah, or grab a few other sober mates and head out for a night together. It was nice doing it as a as a sober crew, wasn't it? We must just mention at the end here, we're, we're going to do that. Obviously, we're going to release the Fat Boy Slim episode next week. But we just want to mention at the end, we went back to collect our microphones mm. and all the recording gear from the from Fat Boy Slim's dressing room, thinking we'll just pop in there. And he suddenly shouted out, is that the sober crew? And invited us in and we stayed backstage for half an hour with him chatting um, with his amazing manager, Al. And we just had such a laugh. In fact, he tried. We were getting a photo with Al, the manager, and Fatboy Slim tried to get in the photo. And we were like, no, no, we don't want one of you. And sort of like we're taking the piss out of each other. He was so lovely. It was like being with an old mate. It was amazing. And we were like, yes, we had the sober crew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're finally in the crew. We want to stay the sober crew. We can be Fatboy Slim's. Brisbane sober crew, can't I we? I did think that it must be nice to talk to, as a performer to talk to someone after the show who's not off their nuts. Yes, like he must have some crap conversations with people <laughs> after his gigs. I don't know. I was talking a bit of shit. I was a bit off my oh, head. Sure, yeah, I, I did feel a bit, <laughs> my nerves made me kind of jibber like an idiot. But oh well, what can you do? I'm sure he meets worse. We like to recommend that you start off small with these things. Ask yourself this question. Where is it that you feel the most confidence dancing? Is it your car? Is it in your kitchen? Is it on the deck like for Vic? Is it in front of that bathroom mirror? Wherever it is, start there before building up to a night out or a wedding or a rave or a festival. Wherever it is, just take small steps. And of course, our advice on this podcast, as you all know, is feel the awkward and do it anyway. Just bloody get out there, live your life. And if it does feel awkward, it won't feel as awkward next time. And if you hate dancing, just you don't have to go out. Like, no. this, this episode is not for you. You no, can just chill. Stay in. I would say if you hate dancing, try it out. Give it a go. Because actually dancing is going to make you feel good. It's yeah, going to make it you feel happy. So just dance. Just dance. Just dance. Oh, do, 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 do. Okay. <laughs> Always back to the trumpet. Always back to the mouth trumpet for me. Lady Gaga loses confidence, goes back to the same space. Uh, mouth trumpet. Quote, Hamish, quote. Come on. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're going to end with some good ones and bad ones, which is our new tradition. Albert, I, I like the fact on Sober Awkward, I'm about to quote... Albert Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to think, what has Albert Einstein got to do with sobriety? I can't imagine he was much of a raver. I can't even believe that this is one of his, but I double checked it. Go okay. on then. Albert Einstein said, we dance for laughter. We dance for tears. We dance for madness. We dance for fears. We dance for hopes. We dance for screams. We are the dancers. We create the dreams. I think that was Willy Wonka. It might be Willy Wonka. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, the other one is Dave Barry. Nobody cares if you can't dance well. Just get up and dance. Yes. Love that one. Basically what we're saying to people that don't like dancing. Yes. And then we've got these disappointing affirmations, which is our new favourite Instagram page yeah. where you think you're hearing something positive, but it usually kicks you in the face. Vic, you want to do this one? You are responsible for your life. 
which is a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. We just want to mention here as well. Oh, I, I did another one, Hamish, there. Okay. There are shortcuts to happiness and dancing is one of them. Yeah, nice. We just want to add here as well that our Sober Awkward t-shirts are now up online so you can grab one. It's at www.cuppershop.com. Go there or you can go to our new Sober Awkward website and get them through there as well, which is soberawkward.com. They're brilliant. Actually, we gave Fat Boy Slim one, didn't we? I was going to say. Yeah. Did we say that he's just one of our models now? One of yeah, our he's, yeah. yeah, he works for us. That's it. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be thrilled. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll be thrilled to hear that. He owns one, so you should own one because that's how marketing works. Fat Boy Slim is cool. And if you buy one of our T-shirts, therefore you are officially cool. That's how it works. That's how it works, yeah. What are you up to now, Haim? I'm packing. Yeah. You know you know your life's rock and roll when I've got to spend all afternoon packing and mowing the lawn. Oh God, mowing the lawn's the worst. Yeah. Actually yeah. I've never done it, so I don't know how <laughs> <laughs> I actually never mowed a lawn. But I can imagine it's really bad. <laughs> Unless you have one of those ride on ones, but yeah. Alright. Have a good weekend mowing your lawns, people. Yeah. Bye. If you're questioning your relationship with booze you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. They have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? I don't know. Just write it on Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck in one awkward hit. 
If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? It's probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, good, yes. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book. Even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Buy it, And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. (laughs) 